Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by the supporters of Patreon.com forward slash Dan Lissac. And if you enjoy this podcast, you should consider becoming a supporter of Patreon.com forward slash Dan Lissac. This will not be the last time you hear the phrase patreon.com forward slash Dan Lissac in this podcast. Enjoy! What up guys, it's your boy. That, that's not how I talk at all. Welcome back, uh, episode 29 of Falling Forward with Dan Lissac. Dan Lissac, that's me. Well, we should just call the podcast I Digress, because although it's... Uh, meant to be a conversation betwixt creators generally it just goes off into a rambling mess and you know what it's good for that guys it's good how have you been what have you been up to the most important question is have you tweeted yeah you should have tweeted about the show you've been listening 30 to 40 seconds by now so your tweet should be sent i will be checking i will search and make sure I've seen the tweet. Um, and every one of you will get a little a little like if I see that tweet. A little, I'll click the little heart button. Some of you, I might even click the retweet button if your tweet is interesting. I've never started the podcast in this way. Well, I, obviously I have if, if by this way we're talking about nonsensical rubbish. But you know what I mean. What other news do I have? Let me have a little sip of the coffee. Mmm, new music. I released some new music about a week ago. Uh, The Promise of a New Life, a new EP by yours truly, being me, Daniel Sack. Um, On on my Bandcamp, Bandcamp only, again. So The Death of Me and Promise of a New Life, exclusive to Bandcamp. Purely because there's no benefit to me putting them on Spotify. I will eventually, one day. It's very good. More uh, left field tape looping. Harder drums this time, guys. Harder drums. You know, you can take the drums out of the boy, but you can't take the boy out of the drums. Uh, That well-known phrase. Who's our guest this week, Dan? Let's get on with it, shall we? I'm tired of you, Dan. I'm sick of your rambling. Um, Our guest this week is the wondrous, the legendary... Uh, the owner of the remedy, John Kennedy, he has the remedy. Apparently, I'm not sure what the affliction is, but John has the remedy for it, and is holding you to ransom. Uh, no, 
radio host, promoter, writer, uh, just all-round good egg, as they say. He's on the Radio X, or XFM, as it was once known. Uh, has the Exposure Show, which is a completely unplaylisted show, which is a rarity in modern radio. He can play what he wants. Literally whatever he wants. You know, if you're listening, John, how about a bit of a ear? Was that what they were called? You know, Spaceman 3, Sonic Boom... One of them went off and just did stuff with, like, speaking spells. Experimental audio research. Maybe that's what it was called. He could play that if you wanted, guys. He could play that. He can play Sun, but he can also play Laura Marling. Or, um... Little Sims. He could play Little Sims if he wanted. He could do that. He could drop some Storms in. You know, he can do whatever he likes. He's free. I think he's got some blackmail material on the owners of his radio station. I don't know. But uh, maybe. Maybe that's how he does it. But if you don't know who he is, listen to his show, obviously. That's one way to find out. But um, he's the person who played Thou Shalt Always Kill, the uh, hit that started mine and Scroobius Pip's careers. Uh, and without John playing it, maybe... Rob DeBank doesn't play it, or Zane Lowe doesn't play it, and and maybe we don't get any gigs, and maybe we don't get signed, and maybe we don't release Angles, or Logic of Chance, or I release Space Between the Words, or the awesome Repent, Repent, Repeat. Maybe Pip doesn't release Distraction Pieces, and I don't release the Unreleased EP, or Cherished Overthrown, or... 63 Days, or the Subsurface Circular soundtrack, or the Quarantine Circular soundtrack, or The Death of Me, or The Promise of a New Life. Maybe none of those things ever happen without John playing that song. Or maybe Pip never launches the Distraction Pieces podcast, which some of you might have heard. I'm not sure how popular it is. I think he's only got like 16 million downloads or something. So, you know, still still just a uh, little indie starting out in the podcast game is our pip. But yeah, luck. John picking up that CD and going, yeah, I'm going to listen to that. And then hearing it and going, yeah, I'm going to play that is pretty damn rad. And uh, it can't be understated that um, luck plays a huge part in anyone's careers. Uh, or obviously, it was an awesome song. You know, we got some of the luck out of the way by being supremely talented individuals. Um, that's for my mum. But yeah, this is a long intro. I just looked down. We're already on seven minutes. It'll be less when I edit it. But yeah, John's a legend. I do have a lot of time for him. And um, it was just lovely to get to sit down to him and just have a bit of a natter about the radio game. I don't know why I put on a northern accent sometimes, especially a bad northern accent like that. But I do it. It's a tick at this point. Oh, yeah, a couple of notes. We recorded this in a Radio X studio with their, like, professional radio microphones and the compression and such that goes with it. I think I've said everything I need to say. I'm moving my hand in a strange way. You can't see it, but I'm hoping you can hear it in my voice. Um, Anyway, yes, do that. Share it, 
do the thing, do the stuff. Uh, really good podcast. Is that an intro? I think it is. Oh, yes. And the last 10 minutes are literally me talking about Stu from Hardcore Listing, Pod Bible, and the Off the Beat and Track podcast. Because uh, he deserves to be talked about. He's an uh, important <laughs> bloke to me and mine, to my people, us Essex boys. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. Just It just came up. The music on this podcast can be found at danlesac.bandcamp.com. And if you were to purchase some of the ambient twerks or trip-hop bangers from danlesac.bandcamp.com, you'd be directly supporting this podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So we're rolling. Oh, we're rolling. I'll, yeah. I'll hit rolling on that one. Well, so we're now rolling. I, I don't, don't need headphones, do I? We don't. That's the thing. Like, people doing radio interviews a few times in my life, people have looked at me funny because I haven't put the headphones yeah. on. It's like, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. I don't. But there's something about them um, that is reassuring <laughs> that it's actually going through the microphone. True, true. Um, I, I do usually put one earbud in to yeah. the recorder. Yeah, to monitor. To monitor. Yeah. But listeners, today you've got um, radio technology. Our voices are being recorded by the radio, I think. I'm not sure how that works. Well, into a computer, Dan. Into a computer, digitally. That is in a radio studio. I suppose this little recorder that we usually use is a computer in a way. Uh, Yeah, But this is like a professional computer. Yeah, well, it's just a slight... I mean, the main difference, I think, is not necessarily the computer itself, but the processing that gets put on yes. the microphone I'm speaking into directly. But that's a big thing with radio in general because mm. um, yeah. it squishes stuff so things aren't too quiet, aren't too loud. Yeah. But I find it really interesting because when I had our first songs out, as soon as I heard it on radio, I was like, oh, it's wrong. 
it's wrong. I've got to, I've got to change that. All that yeah. drum's too loud. Oh, and then I realised it doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. yeah, it doesn't matter, but it does make a difference. So that's some, that's the kind of conversation I have with Chris Denman, who's the producer and engineer of our sessions here yeah. at Radio X and XFM and has been for many, many years. And he would say, oh, well, when I record the sessions, you know, I put a certain kind of compression on them for radio. And then the yeah. one time we had this um, this album of session tracks put out for Record Store Day. And as we were going through the process of getting all the tracks ready, he kind of put his hand up and said, you do know that they'll need to be processed in a different way for the record. For the record, yeah. And, and you know, someone along the line said... Do, do they? No. Yeah. <laughs> and so luckily he spoke up. But it's interesting how these different processes, and similarly, podcasting has really challenged radio people about how they go about their business. So mm. all the studios here in this big building, which has lots of different radio stations in it, be it Classic FM or LBC or Capital, um, that all the microphones have different processes put on them to create different kind of sound and and be appropriate and correct for that yeah. station that they're going to be used on. and um, But podcasters don't bother about any of that, and it's a, a more intimate listening experience, usually done on headphones, so mm. you don't necessarily need to put all that processing through. And weirdly, like, sometimes when you hear one recorded like this, it might sound a little dry, because yeah. there's nothing breaking up. Like, we'll probably talk for an hour or so, and maybe a bit of background noise, the odd chair squeak or whatever yeah. is actually beneficial to make yeah. the listener feel more, more interesting in the room. So you're doing a double record. You're, we're recording this yes. through the studio microphones and you've got your Zoom. Yes, yeah, so and normally I would have mics plugged into the Zoom pointed at us, but I don't have to today. Yeah. So you're providing the pointy mics yeah. and I'm providing <laughs> the one catching the air around us. The ambience. The ambience. It is... The, you bring up podcasts, like free media is doing a lot to challenge, I don't want to say mainstream media, but but corporate media as such. And I, I would include BBC in corporate. They are a corporation, yeah. I yeah. suppose. But I find it really interesting what, like, there's a YouTuber I watch called Look Mum No Computer, previous guest of the podcast. Um, <laughs> and he... he is an electrician essentially, but he you you like his music. You would definitely like his music. He he made a organ out of Furbies and uh, he made a pipe organ that was also a flamethrower. Wow! You know, but he builds all these things and then makes music with them. And there's no TV channel going to give him that. But each week he has his thirty minute show he makes with I don't know. He's made a a synth out of multiple Game Boys, so it's polyphonic and it's insane wall of Game Boys. But no channel's paying for that, but hundreds of thousands of people are watching him. Yeah. And it's like, it is interesting that there's things that can only exist because of free media, but might actually, I'm not saying the Beeb should give Look Mum No Computer a TV show, but like could exist in, in, um, they have the numbers as such. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you feel like, is that free media affecting, other than the way it sounds, but affecting the way your job works? Like, um, yeah, Yes and no. So personally, it hasn't affected me yet. It, it could, it directly in terms of what I do, but it could affect me in terms of how bands uh, get their, mm. their recordings out there. 
Um, and that is really exciting. It's another way that you can stumble upon um, people's music. Um, I would say that um, in some ways, stations like the BBC have tried to tap into YouTube popularity. They've yeah. brought presenters from different <coughs> um, YouTube shows onto the radio, particularly on Radio 1. Mm. Um, so that you know that, that that's a way of finding new presenting talent is is through looking at what's popular. Mm. So maybe look, Ma, no computer will get a show. You know, maybe he deserves Hopefully. One. He was on BBC Click the other day. Right. So, you know, he's, he's making it. Yeah. But um, do you... Wait, what we should do, really, is say who you are. Yeah, that first. would be handy. Well, maybe. No, I've got I, a long way into I, I a think you've got a plan. asking. No, I'm assuming you've got a plan to what you're doing. My first question is what do... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I write now. So, you're John Kennedy. I am. My name is John Kennedy. And uh, what do you do? I or... am a radio presenter, a DJ, a producer, depending on what nice. term describes it. So, I present a show called Exposure on a station called Radio X. The show itself is now into its 21st year. 21. Um, so From the inception, was... essentially. Yeah, so it starts. Exposure started as a radio show in February 1999. Ninety nine. So that's like what two years after. So two years after XFM went legit. Yeah. So a, a yeah, XFM won a license in well, came on air as a legitimate station in September ninety seven, and, and it I had, was there anyway. You had been involved. From... Yeah, yeah. So I was there from the inception of XFM, um, but it took us five years to campaign to get a license, and finally we got a license, and we came on air in September ninety seven. Um, a year after that. Um, we were sold on to Capital Radio, who were the biggest commercial radio organisation at that time mm. in Britain. And um, there was a big change in, in the operation. Well, um, we, had, I, we had a weird three weeks of, of XFM just playing this sort of three-hour loop while yeah, the transition yeah. happened. Yeah, there was... And really then, odd. Yeah, it was really odd. And um, they kept me on, um, but they had playlisted the... Station 24-7, apart from one show, which was Bob Geldof's show. <laughs> um, and Bob was signed up for 149 days um, because... <laughs> but I think it was 149. Maybe it was 1,049. I'm sure it was just 149 because the frequency was 104.9. And so his show was a drive-time show and he could kind of do what he liked. Yeah. Everybody else had to adhere to this playlist. But the weird thing was um, that there was a, a backlash to this and there were demonstrations outside the building. A brick was thrown through the wow, window of the really... building. Yeah, so there's quite a vocal opposition. And the owners listened. And within um, three months, yeah, three, three or four months, I started doing a show once a week, which was Exposure, mm. where I had freedom to do what I wanted. And then that turned into five nights a week. And you know, it's, it, so they, they reacted in a positive way. Mm. Um, to what had happened, quite it was yeah. it was interesting because obviously I, I grew up in Essex, so we caught, you know, um, the when XFM was like the limited radio. The, what are they called? Limited radio license. Yeah, so we did a series of um, RSLs, restricted service licenses. So, but they became because they were happening while I was still at school. Yeah, and, and then the early days of college, and it was like they were little mythical times. Oh, XFM's on this weekend or this yeah. month or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it was like, oh, and it, they became a weird hype thing. And then to when we finally got full you full XFM, and then we only got you for a year. And it was this very frustrating thing. I, by that point, I was working in... Uh, I was working in Lakeside. 
by that. Right. And, um, yeah, it was... In HMV. In HMV. Yeah. That might have been Gap. I, can't, I get confused. I worked in so many retailers. Right. I did The, the Gap. I've yeah. done uh, The Virgin Media, The Virgin Megastore. Right. Um, and HMV. Actually, I've only done three. Yeah. I thought I did loads more than that. It's <laughs> still of, good going. I've done a lot of jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I worked in the hospital laundry for a while. That was a delightful summer. Sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they were really nice people. Yeah. Like, genuinely, because uh, that was the year before I went to uni, and they made me this amazing hamper of, like, food people from Basildon eat. So there's some good stuff in there. Fantastic. Stuff. What, to take with you to To take university. with me to uni. So that first, like, two months, I was yeah. good for tin. They thought you couldn't get food where you were going. I just think they were kind, John. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's brilliant. And also didn't trust me to get food. <laughs> that was part of it. Um, it is interesting, though, how... So a big corporate entity comes in and basically fucks it up and then realises they fucked it up. Because often you see companies come along and say, no, this is the way to do it, and then just that's it, the blanket, until whatever they've taken over dies. Um and as much grief as, who was it then? It was Capital. Yeah, so Capital owned it. And, and then uh, Global. Have yeah, taken. well, and then, you know, that, that, that company changed its name. It became um, uh, GCAP Media. GCAP, that's and it. Then, you know, so, so the ownership has changed over uh, the years um, uh, for XFM, which is now Radio X, which was rebranded a few years ago. Mm. Um, but it's pretty much stayed the same. But the weird thing is, during all that time, once Exposure started, um, the show that I do has remained the same. Mm. You know? And and you know the uh, I guess the idea of the show is to play new music and find new bands, yeah. and um, hopefully some of them will trickle down into the daytime uh, playlists. And um, and yeah, it's really exciting. You get to meet lots of. Uh, exciting new bands but also as it's gone on I I've, there's been different interview type features which have developed where I get to speak to mm. older or more successful or more established people you know um, which is always interesting and, and basically if I am interested and I think well surely <laughs> somebody <laughs> surely else somebody else might be interested so I'm going to talk to um, the boss of Electra Records or whatever it doesn't matter mm. if he's an octogenarian it, you know it's all good you know. and I, I suppose if uh, you're pre-recording and it's shit you can just edit it yeah no that's true there is that but i yeah i, I mean and i do pre-record quite a few interviews but i do like to get people on live because it, it saves a lot of hassle oh yeah i think it um from being the guest on on live radio it just makes for there's a little bit of energy going it's a little bit tense yeah you know you could go you know you you become really aware that you can't swear and stuff but i think that awareness of don't swear don't swear don't swear means that you you shut down other bits and right. say, that's maybe you're a bit more yeah. honest because you're concentrating on this thing over here that's yeah. leaving you open. And I don't know, I've I've always found it a pretty just fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, have you, well, have you ever had live go wrong? Like, yeah, in in, in all sorts. Well, in all sorts of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that can be something that you do or it can be something that is beyond you. I mean, only last week um, we had a situation here where the trans, some, whatever needed to talk to the transmitter wasn't yeah. talking to them properly or wasn't doing it quick enough. And about, well, at least six, if not all the stations broadcasting from this building all went off. <laughs> um, ours went, 
I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. Ours went into um, the kind of backup tape, mm. I think, is at the transmitter uh, pretty quickly. And I'm not sure if, if all the others did or not. Um, and we, well, I, my show um, was off air for about 15, 20 minutes. Mm. But that was nothing I could do. And um, about, you know, there's literally nothing. But, but what I could do was that when I heard the backup tape music stop, I thought, oh, well, we must be back on air. So then I pressed play and, and we <laughs> carry on as we were. But, I mean, other things go wrong. I mean, you know, things... People swear and that's bad. Swearing's uh, bad. Yeah, but, but you kind of apologise. That's the general rule. Um, but other things can go... You know, I'm trying to think of disasters. Well, you, you know. But have you, you've never but, really had guests behave too unwieldy. Not too. I mean, sometimes people go drunk when they come on, then they're worried or, or excited and they have a few drinks. But you're on in the evening as well. Yeah, I'm so you've got, in the evening, yeah. And so. you get here a bit early and you can go into the uh, crappy witherspoons. Yeah. <laughs> just gargantuan. It goes all the yeah. way through the building. Is, the have side. you just been in there? Yeah. No, 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 I've not been in there for yeah. some time. Right, right. I've been in there yeah. Yeah. and got lost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you. yeah, I mean, they're different things. I'm trying to think what... I mean, the worst thing is to take the station off air, um, but I don't think I've ever done that. But there have been things where just equipment fails, you know, mm. a machine doesn't work. I mean, a lot of, I guess one of the most the, uh, ongoing problems would be that, particularly for me, because I play a lot of music from my laptop these days, mm. and I've got too much music on there. And sometimes, you know, they go all slow and they can't do anything. It's like, why isn't it working? So then you have to talk nonsense for a few minutes in the hope that it will work. Or then, I mean, luckily we're in commercial radio, so we can go into an ad break yeah. as an option. It's like, oh, nothing's working. Let's go into the ad break. No, there, so there's lots of stupid things like that. that I, I find that funny, though. Like, you've got all this technology in front of your multiple screens and you're still like, Banged it in from your laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the most, it's the quickest way. Yeah. But then the other the other computers can freeze and go wrong, and mm. that happens too. I mean, that you know, um, well, it's do funny have when you walk procedures. in the building, like as you approach any studios, there's always these huge servers outside and stuff. And I think I don't know. I think it's easy to forget that how technological it is to get this stuff out there because it's not yeah. just transmitting radio waves. You it's got to be whacked on the internet for live streaming and then backed up for this. And yeah, it's like it's a, it, it's fascinating to me how much investment must go into commercial radio, any keeping any radio on. The yeah, air. well, this is it. Yeah, and the, the other costs are, of course, if you are playing music, you have to pay for the music that you play, you mm. and that there are rules and regulations about that, there are rates. That have well, to be uh, adhered to. And yeah, that's this... one of the reasons why I say when the internet radio explosion happened, um, it, it died quite quickly because normal radio rules were applied to it. And once um, the authorities realised what was going on, they thought, oh, well, you're a radio station. Right. Well, if you're going to be a radio station, these are the rates you have to pay yeah. to play music. And then it's like, oh, but we're not earning any money, not making any money. Yeah. So... Um, we can't do this, we'll just close so, down. At this point, I think internet radio rates work out to be about a tenth of Spotify per listener per song. A tenth, I, a tenth of Spotify? Is it not? Essentially, yeah. It's, does it not work? So, cause it's, so it's so less... play on my show, it costs about 20 quid or, or something. But yeah, so but there's, a, there's an assumption of your audience. 
So yes. with the internet radio stations now, they make them track literal the amount of listeners. So right. if you're really successful, it costs you more. So yeah. it's per person. So this is so who what bodies are governing these are normal internet internet radio streaming so like services. Pandora in the States right. and stuff. So any yeah. any service where you can't so we don't really have any of those over here, do we? Not really. Not really. SoundCloud try to mm. do their stuff that way. Is it SoundCloud? Yeah, yeah, that's the orange one. Yeah. 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 For some reason, yeah. I haven't said their name in so long. I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, since they were good. Oh, uh, still, well, I still use them. Too. You still the use them, yeah. Mm. But do you ever use them without being given the song link first? No. <laughs> Generally, but having said that, sometimes when I've been given a link and I've listened to one song and I don't do anything with it and let it carry mm. on playing, I have been introduced to other music Actual that I Actual things you know. like. Anything, yeah, yeah. I've been oh, wow. really pleasantly surprised. Be like, oh, who are these? They sound great. It's it's a funny thing because obviously they pivoted from being just a hosting platform, mm. and then they tried to be a bit more of a music community. They had little community pages where for ambient or whatever, and then they decided to get rid of all that, and then we're gonna do subscriptions, and then everyone was like, okay, we're still just gonna put copyrighted music up and, right. and yeah. make you take it down. I think they struggled a lot from from that era of record labels realizing, oh wait, there is things we can do about this. Yeah, whether that be DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, <laughs> or or just actually getting it pulled down altogether. It's strange. Like the technology of everything moves way faster than than the law of it. Oh yeah, well, totally. Because I mean, with regard to normal streaming services, I mean, I, I was my theory is that they're a result of um, the rules that existed before that were applied to radio stations. Mm. When internet radio stations realised, oh no, we're, we're because we're a radio station, we should honour these, and we've got mm. we're subject to all this 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 uh, money that we've got to pay out. So a way around that was just to play the music, and and you know you're streaming it and to redefine that this isn't a radio station. Mm. So those old rules don't apply to us. So we don't need to pay, you know, £50 yeah. pounds a, a play for every track at all. You know, we just do it on a tiny percentage of however many people are subscribing, etc. And um, so I think that was a clever way of, of getting past those rules. Yeah. And, and it seems to me, with streaming, it's a bit like the record industry was back in the 1920s or 1910s. So it was a very, very new mm. thing. And uh, people were trying to flog equipment. So they went well, round to, to, to somebody around the corner and said, oh, no, can we record your song? We'll give it, buy you a coffee or whatever. <laughs> and then they got the recording, then they sold their gramophone player and you know, it carried on like that. And similarly, you, know, you had the iPod and sold the iPod mm. and then you know, the streaming service. So it's, it's kind of... It's, the record industry, the music industry, the artists are catching up with how to regulate that. Yeah. And um, hopefully, you know, it, they they will catch up. But it's going to take a long time. And it seems like that to me. That That's my interpretation of it. That and I because think... it took 70, 80 years to get to the point where artists started to get paid to be recording artists, get paid when they got yeah, I, I'm and sure this is stuff. probably apocryphal, but I'm sure this is one of the early Stones albums where they're on equivalent of a percent each right. of the royalty, mm. something from just bad early contracts yeah. sort of thing. Or their initial contract was that way. It might be the Stones. I, 
it's small faces were definitely um, on a terrible contract. Yeah, yeah. I think there is. There's definitely. This is a meandering conversation, Dan. There's no, the, yeah. <laughs> there's no structure. There's no structure, John. Like the, I, I'm, I'm worried that we'll end up giving lots of people misinformation. Oh, that's fine. That, that's fine, this guys. Is don't... General, general um, statements about. You're probably stuff. listening to this on a device of some form. Yeah. So just Google what the internet radio rates are <laughs> for correct ones, because we're probably wrong. Um, yeah, Google what the Rolling Stones' first contract deal was like. I yeah. bet, I bet it was bad. Now, yeah, I yeah. bet it, it is really bad. But Jagger's listing. He googles it, finds out how bad it is. Huge lawsuit. Maybe we've inspired. I'm sure he's already sorted that out already. Hasn't Do you reckon? It? Yeah, I reckon. I don't know. He's quite an astute person. Is it? Is it? I, well, my impression is, yeah, <laughs> that he is very astute. I find. Um, I watched a documentary about the Rolling Stones, and it was just like about fans and all this. And there was a guy who just follows Jagger and um, Guitar Man. Keith Richards. Keith Richards around. And he just has guitars. But he buys like, and he gets them to sign them. But he buys the shittest guitars. (laughs) Not even like Squire Stratocasters, like proper knockoff cheap and get, and um, there's twice in this documentary he gets Keith Richards to sign him. And the first time he just signs it. The second time he's just like, I'm not signing that. Right. I wouldn't even touch that. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, walks off. Oh, that's good. It's that's... like, if you're going to get in to sign it, at least have like a mm. nice guitar. But I think definitely for these really, really famous people, they do have to think about what they're signing and who they're signing mm. for because there are lots of people who just follow them around and try and get umpteen signatures that, that they then yeah. sell on. I was in someone's house recently and um, they had a, a a fairly average, like, Telecaster knockoff signed by Peter Hook. And it was like, he's a bassist. Like, why are you getting him to sign a guitar? <laughs> it was in like a case and but it had... Was, maybe, oh, that is interesting. Maybe it's the only one they, they had. Maybe. <laughs> or something. I don't know, it's just the idea that you, you know, you get, you meet somebody, your idol, and you get them to sign the toilet paper, you've just, you know... I would rather buy that though, because at least that was, it wasn't planned. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, radio, that's where we started. Where were you before XFM? Uh, before what? XFM, um, I worked at the BBC. Uh, in in archivey stuff? In the BBC Gramophone Library. Okay. Which is where I worked. Um, which but that's was, the proper library. That's the one, the lending library. Yeah, the, the lending library. So, I mean, I don't know what it's like now. I, I know it kind of still I, vaguely exists. But um, so at the time, so this is... I started there in the late 1980s. Mm. Um, was it 1980s or maybe it was 1990? Maybe it was 1989. Yeah, something like that. And um, so obviously this this is so a long time ago. You're only 30 now, John. Yeah, well, so time, you've just let, let us know time travel exists. <laughs> it's amazing what happens if you eat the right things. Um, so obviously everything was very different. So if you were making a program on the BBC... I just realised you're a vampire. <laughs> I've only ever seen you at night. You haven't aged a day. I'm sure we saw each other in, in daylight at a festival once. Maybe. You had a lot of sunblock on that. <laughs> but, yeah, so at the time, um, the, this was a central library. That, so basically, if, if, to rewind further, um, when... Um, the BBC started broadcasting, there were only two or three record labels. Mm. So not to be seen to be under the influence of any of those, they had a policy whereby any music that they were going to play from gramophone record, Mm. they would buy themselves. So um, that was 
the, the principle behind the library. So then they would have this library whereby everybody in the BBC who wants to use a certain piece of music could come to the library and borrow it and, and mm. play it on the radio. Um, and they would have, like, multiple copies. Yes, yeah, so they, so that's it, just it. So the, we would lend to BBC Local Radio around the whole of the country. Mm. Uh, radios 1, 2, 3, and 4, 5 was just invented when I was joining there. Um, and to TV as well. So, um, you know, they would, people would be, say if you're researching a programme on Essex and you want to find Essex-related music, you might go to yeah. the BBC Gramophone Library and do your research there and come away with a few hundred related recordings or something well, like so that. So how it was organised in a way that where you could do that? You yeah, could... so there were all these, uh, so there were all these departments within the, within the library. Um, so there was a cataloguing department, so mm. ev- everything that was bought... One copy was sent temporarily to the cataloging department so that they would write down um, record label, record number, um, then but all the details about the songwriters, uh, subjects on the songs, all this kind of stuff. So it could all be cross-referenced oh, wow. by card so that if you were looking up love, you could yeah. find a load of cross-referenced songs to do with love and and compile your program that- about love. No, but it's the, pretty amazing. So then you'd have another department which was issues, where you'd go in and borrow stuff and mm. it'd be issued to you. And then you'd have another department which was orders, which would go and buy the hey, records and CDs. I've heard of this new popular beat combo. Yeah, this is it. This is it. And you, uh, I think um, we should get some. Yeah, and then you might order things that were being specifically requested that weren't in the library. So, um, and I ended up in the orders office. So my job was to buy the music mm. for the library. And we would buy multiple copies. So say if Madonna put out a new album, we'd buy, you know, 40 copies yeah, of that. Yeah, you'd have a load. Um, and, yeah, but it was, <laughs> it was a really great job in that I just used to go and order these these records and then listen to them all day while I was doing that. You know, And yeah. it was a really great kind of fantastic dead-end job you know, because hmm. the clever thing to do at the BBC is to get any job there and then Climb. work out what area you would like to work in and somehow keep climbing various different ladders like snakes and ladders until mm. you get to the bit that you want to live in. No, yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I talked to someone at BBC Berkshire recently who, who literally that is their... I'm not going to say their name, but that's their goal. Mm. Um, yeah. That they've gone in, they've taken a job that maybe they don't want, but they know that if they just do it right and they can move and shift. Yeah. And, I mean, it's competitive and, and mm. it's it's quite tough really, uh, mm. because the BBC is a very big organisation with a lot of people and a lot of protocol. Mm. Uh, so you've got thousands and thousands of people often applying for ultimately one position and um, you've got to kind of fight them off. It's it's very yeah. tricky. Um, but so, yeah, I was there for quite a few years and uh, at the BBC, and but that, I got into radio just before I joined the BBC. I kind of got this radio experience Did yeah you so i was more local radio yeah very, yeah yeah so i i started dj when i was at university which was in norwich i was originally from mm. london went to um university of east anglia in norwich and started a club night with a friend and and i also started writing where was music. that where was the club night it was at a place called samantha's oh, okay um, yeah it's i was place. hoping it was somewhere i've been in the, yeah I no i think it's, it's does it even exist i don't know whether it exists anymore but, you know, and I did a few different DJ things there and came back to London and thought I'd like to work in some relation to music. Mm. I couldn't work out. I was so kind of stupid that I didn't think of like, well, I could get a job at a record label or how do you get a job at a record label? It didn't really yeah. work that one out. But I got on a course for the unemployed, a media course for the unemployed, 
and um, which was run by community service volunteers. And that was a three-month course, and it was based at a cable radio station in Thamesmead, on the outskirts of... By cable, like literally through a cable box? Yes. Um, so but, Thamesmead is a great big housing estate built in the 1970s or late 60s. Okay, so that would have been... That wouldn't have... That would have been one of the test areas for cable as well. Yeah, and it was a different kind of cable thing. So that so every flat and every house had a little box on the wall um, where you would put your aerial in, mm. and you could get your what then became four channels um, through that, and then there was there was one or maybe two extra channels, um, one of which was meant to be for a local radio station, uh, and that okay. was Radio Thamesmead, and um, so there was this little radio station that broadcast via cable to the Thamesmead housing estate. It was a really strange yeah. kind of thing. And so this this course for the unemployed was to give you media training. And the idea was that it would be for a people, um, a variety of people. So you had long-term unemployed who might be in their 50s. Uh, you, could, you would have teenagers on the course who were straight out of school. Mm. And then there were a few people who were graduates who were trying to find some kind of experience or direction. Yeah. And I fell into that category. And uh, because I'd been DJing, I suggested, hey, why don't you let me do a radio show? And so I did this radio show once a week. And then that cable radio station uh, decided to apply for an FM license when mm. there was a big um, opportunity for FM licenses um, in 1990 as a response yeah. to the uh, a response to the uh, surge in pirate radio in the late 80s. Mm. And there were so many pirate radio stations, the government were um, put in a position where they, they felt they should do something about it. And instead of shutting them down all the time, they thought, well, no, well, let's create an opportunity uh, for a few new radio stations to exist. And so that's <coughs> happened, and there were different community licenses, and Radio Thamesmead applied for one of those, and it won one of those licenses, and then I carried on broadcasting there um, once a week, um, while I was working at the BBC. So, and then that's when XFM started within that time. Yeah. And because I was doing that, because it, it, the BBC seemed like a good place. I know, I do radio and I, I, I should join the BBC and then I'll work my way up. And it, But instead I didn't. And I, I See, I, like, I loved the, especially because pirate radio was still kicking well into the 90s. And, well, it still is now. Yeah, it still you, is now, yeah. You literally, if you're driving around the M25 and you press the scan button on your radio you will find some gems and they, they don't have like uh names of the station it's yeah. just a mobile number just rotating yeah, totally yeah it's yeah, like what yeah. do you want me to do with this mobile number <laughs> i i like i like the jungle thanks play <laughs> some more out. jungle this is for dan <laughs> this, this is for dan in his volkswagen polo um yes i drive a volkswagen polo it's red thanks uh, <laughs> but like it's something about, we, I think maybe because the BBC maybe not had a chokehold on radio, but obviously we've got this big organisation for our, our media over here. And, and maybe at times they didn't leave quite the room that maybe somewhere in America where if you could commercially prove that you could make money, you could play whatever you liked. And obviously in the States... You've got traditional radio, then you've got the satellite radio network, which is essentially DAB, but 20 years before we had DAB, so that's where you Howard Stearns and all that. And then you've got college radio. And for me, pirate radio was kind of our equivalent of college radio, yeah. but generally jungle. If, if all, <laughs> Well, it depends um, on your era, because yeah. pirate radio was in the 60s. and Yes, um, true. You know, 
uh, that played all the big Car- hits. Radio uh, Caroline. Yeah, Radio but, Caroline yeah. and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, and in a way, you know, pirate radio, um, if you look back, um, was used as a tool to demonstrate need. Mm. Um, and, you know, because Radio 1... Uh, was a response that you know the creation of Radio One was a response to pirate radio, mm. um, and the expansion of the BBC in radio terms was a response to pirate radio. So, um, you know, pirate radio would often exist to fill a gap that was yeah. being catered for, and then sometimes if that gap was acknowledged, then that would have a knock-on effect. And so, Kiss was a response to the dance music explosion yeah. in the eighties. You know, in that whole culture. And so. KISS was a huge, like, organisation as such before it went legit. Yeah. It, it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't just uh, them in a dodgy flat, you know. No, well, I'm sure it was a bit, but a yes. A bit, yeah. but you yeah. know what I mean? It still, yeah. it still felt like, the, the, when you see photos of the station, it still felt like a radio station. It wasn't, yeah. you know, people broadcasting with a... Biscuit tin FM yeah, receiver. Yeah, but they were one of the people who got the license in 1990 mm. um, alongside RTM Radio and Choice FM and a whole variety of different stations around London, also in different parts of the country. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting um, period. I mean, There's it's really, probably a book in it. There is a book, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I can, someone's written you know, a book. Someone's written a book about yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, yeah. I think there's room for another book. Maybe I, I'm Maybe. tempted to write the book. You can write could ever... as well. You've done writing. I've yeah. Read, I've read you do writing <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the Dazed. Dazed and Confused, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. but the 150-word or 200-word column is, ah, is not a book. But if you wrote 150-word or 200 words a day... Yeah, I like what you're saying. ...by the end of time, yeah. you would have a lot of books. Yeah. Multiple yeah. books, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Yeah, and maybe your writing would get faster yeah. as well because you're more practiced. Yeah, yeah. You don't, doesn't have to think about what the words are. <laughs> There's probably some words that are shorter that mean more. <laughs> you yeah. just write really clear <laughs> sentences. Oh, it's 10,000 words. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> You've written the word A 10,000 times and it's 10,000 words. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a meaningful, meaningful A. Um, do you... So... Obviously, you grew up in London. Yeah. Do you feel like London has given you a head start? Like, because it gives you access to the BBC. It gives you access to eventually getting to here and stuff. But also, I suppose, it gave you access to gigs that... Yeah, totally. Well, my music interest was definitely fueled by living in London or being so, on the outskirts like, of London. Um, you did. You've done Stu's podcasts. All of Stu's eight hundred different podcasts. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to <clears> get on all the distraction pieces. Is it distraction pieces? Is that the, the distraction that... pieces network? Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to get on all the distraction pieces network. I'm, I'm not. I haven't done it all. But yeah. So I'm, you got. But you're. You know. Another. You got to do more drugs. For yeah. <laughs> Jason and Susie, obviously right. they're a bit drugsy. Right. But yeah, they would they would work. Yeah, it maybe. Work. I don't know. I, I've got so few drug experiences that. Um, but maybe that's what you talk about. Yeah, true. Yeah, you yeah. Just tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> so tempt me, tempt me, guys. And uh, Brett know. does movies, right? So I can't do that one. Yeah, why not? I, I don't remember movies. Right. I, I, I remember Fifth Element. That's a great movie. <laughs> but like, they talk about them with like meaningfulness yeah. and stuff, and I'm like, no, it was good. I can't, I've right. never been yeah. able to engage. I love movies. I'm, I'm, I find that fascinating because I was quite into films. I'm a not 
I'm, it's not that I'm not into films. I just don't seem to get the time to either go to see that many films or, I can, or you know, bone up on that knowledge. But definitely when I was a student and stuff, yeah. was, you know. I've watched stuff with Mr. subtitles Phil. and that. I've done all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, I lack the language with movies. Like, I, I can tell that I'm seeing something artful or creative yeah. or, or something different, but I don't know how to explain. Mm press the thing and then I'll see someone say what I'm thinking and then I'll just end up quoting them for the rest of my life. But that's well, yeah, enough. it's just a, that's all anybody else is doing. Yeah. You know, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a bit like with music or with gaming, which you're into. Mm. You know, you just seep yourself in it for a bit, you mm. pick up a few key terms, and then you just regurgitate. <laughs> just run with that. And then you, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, it's same. It's probably the same with every field. You know, be yeah. it plumbing or politics. You just see politics and, is know, definitely the one. Watch um, any Boris crony after the election will use level up. Le- we're going to level up the UK. Gonna, <laughs> he used it so many times yeah, yeah. during the election that like every single MP that came in from the Conservative Party now can't not say it. Well, yes, we're going to level up the UK. <laughs> it's yeah. like, guys, we've, we heard... Think of your own one. Yeah, think it's, it's frightening one. how a lot of that language seeps into your own... Your own everyday life. I found myself after Christmas, so New yeah. Year, um, things. You know, you kind of. I didn't really have any resolutions, but you, you kind of New New Year. You kind of fire up, think you're going to have a new approach. And I discovered that everything. Right, I, loads of chocolate given mm-hmm. over Christmas. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to eat all that <laughs> chocolate. Everything I did was get it done. So it's a good excuse. No, I've got to get it done. So I, I've you know, got. And now I'm using that every day to you know. I've got. A, I use get it done, but um, if I'm with Andrea and she says I'm going to the loo, I just get it done, <laughs> get it done, girl. Good Can't help it. Got Poor it Boris. It's important. He's done all right for himself, isn't he? Do you remember when he's on? Have I got news for you? Who would have thought he's prime minister? <laughs> well, it's impressive. Happening right now. Um, I just kind of thought. Again, because I don't really structure this very much. Yeah. Um, How do you feel, like, radio's evolved so much, and now with DAB and stuff, it's busy. It's busy. There's a lot of stations. And you've got competition from podcasters and streaming platforms. Like, does... What's the option for radio? Is it that radio has to evolve to compete with those things, or does it become, I don't know, a more pristine version of itself, if yeah. you know what I mean. Um, like, I, I think it's quite exciting um, because in many ways um, the, there are many more outlets and in hmm. some ways what we the term radio um, is changing and broadening. Hmm. Um, so really I feel a lot of podcasting is ultimately radio. Oh, it's very, just not yeah. using radio technology to get it out there, but the whole idea of it is that it's a kind of version of mm. radio. And and because it's become so popular, I think it's having a really interesting uh, effect and impact on traditional radio. Um, and like I was talking about the microphones and all this kind of stuff, mm. you know, I know that in this building they've had to reassess how they set up microphones because they're also recording podcasts and stuff like that. And if they just have them on the normal radio studio setting, it doesn't quite sit nicely with yeah. normal podcasts. And so, you know, it's quite interesting that it can have a reverse effect. But I, mean, I, I think that I listen to a lot of Radio 4 um, because mm. I listen to an awful lot of music. So in contrast to that, I listen to a lot of speech radio. But um, 
uh, and I think in some ways the advent uh, and popularity of talk podcasts is a, a new version of Radio 4. Mm. Um, and you're getting all these different kinds of editorial approaches and it's really exciting and really interesting. I mean, some of it is m- maybe it's, it's kind of not being... Uh, supervised in any way, and and so that's both positive and negative, you know. But uh, I definitely feel like with Radio Four because when I because I always do the podcast in person. I don't do any over the yeah um, over ISDN or over the line o- or over the phone. Yeah, 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 that's what you're paying for, Patreons. Uh, me traveling places and having coffee and services and listening to Radio Four. Um, but what I find interesting about Radio Four is that it feels like a lot of stuff that people it's it's like someone would have an idea that like drunk women solving crime that is a long-running podcast but if they've been pitched to radio 4 they'd be like oh well, we'll give you four episodes yeah. you know yeah and it's it's that thing like radio 4 always feels like the start of an idea but we we can't go any deeper than that and uh, i find it but you could almost, say that's radio in general because it, because uh, the overheads can be a lot lower, mm. and this is why podcasting has exploded. It's because mm. you can just buy a small uh, kit and or be suddenly, like and suddenly, buy a giant kit and yeah, yeah. carry around in a case. But, but and you, stuff. it's reasonably um, low cost, mm. and so you can set yourself up and start making and creating straight away. Whereas, say, you know, that's why so many. Um, uh, comedy things might have started out as a small series on Radio mm. 4 and then when they get a green light from television suddenly they've got a budget and they can realise these things whereas yeah. with the radio a lot is left to the imagination or can be mm. and so you can create these worlds without um, the the cost of trying to create yeah, it's, sets it, and I find it interesting as well like if, say the Mighty Boosh obviously mm. the, the first iteration of that Arctic booth, Boosh obviously it was live stage show but the the radio version wasn't even like radio four or whatever it was local i think it was really really <laughs> one cool. of the london yeah. local bbc stations BB, was it on glr or bbc london or it was bbc london mm. but I, I feel like it was even more if there's any more smaller than that <laughs> but it was on during the football on a saturday right. afternoon or something yeah. so it was like how that ever took off but obviously if it was a, had been a podcast maybe it would never have got to be the full full on bush because maybe they would have been comfortable enough in there. Sneeze, Dan. Um, do it. Yeah. Sorry. If you do it right into the mic as well, and so everyone can share it, so everyone can enjoy the sneeze. Just uh, while you were speaking, I was getting this kind of tickly, tickly nose thing. You better not have the coronavirus. No, I hope I don't. No, you better it's not. It's funny how you know whenever there's any kind of so <laughs> any massive splash of illness, you think. Oh, oh god. I got I got the swine flu when we had the swine flu wow. just before South by Southwest. Nightmare. And um my doctor was like, Yeah, you can't fly. Like, I'm going to South by Southwest, mate. You can't fly. Like, oh. And he was like, literally, you try if you go to the airport, they will stop you. Right. Because wow. they were using they use um infra, not infrared like temperature mm. cameras and stuff. So see anyone who's got a temperature pull on the side. So yeah, that that was the South by Southwest where Pip just walked around, hanging out with wow. everyone. He, was that after you'd been there second once? One. That's yeah. the second we one. We only right? got to go twice. Yeah. Right. Did you get to go? No. I only got to go once. Right. 
Yeah, because I, I remember being there at the same time as you for that first time. Mm. Um, Where we played uh, the Johnny Cash Saw Shack for was that for Days or Clash or one of those? Right. Yeah. It's very hard to keep up with that <laughs> festival. Yeah, it's rad, but at the same yeah. time, it's like I would rather go to Kendall Call in myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't woods. know, but the weather is nicer in Austin. It's very at that nice time of year. In Austin, yeah, yeah. I, I would like to go back. We went back there um, when we did a US tour, like 2008, and it was like November, and it was still lovely. Right, yeah. We played the Beauty Bar, and uh, it was delightful. Yeah, and it wasn't long after some sort of natural disaster in America, and this couple, um, her name was. Liz Rose, yeah, I don't think you listen. Um, but, yeah, they had driven up from, like, New Orleans it probably was, so it was, like, down, up, whichever direction you go. So it was however many hours, and they had no hotel or anything. They just, yeah, well, we had, we've got no home right now, so we're just going to drive, watch your gig, wow. and then find somewhere wow. to sleep. And it was kind of weird to me that you would do that, but if there is nothing you can do... You might as well have some fun elsewhere. Yeah, that's uh, I, I admire their approach. But America always fascinated me because, like, try to get someone to take a forty-five minute tube journey to go to your gig, and they'll be annoyed. We've we've had it before where we've played. Oh, we're playing Shepherd's Bush Empire. And they're like, oh yeah, well you're not going anything out east. Still in London, mate. <laughs> like, come on. It's, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I you can agree. still just use a travel card. You yeah, get there on your oyster. It's fine. Yeah, in the States, you'll play New York and someone will go, yeah, yeah, we drove up from Philly three and a half hours or whatever. It's like, all right. And that's not a problem. It's just, yeah. oh, yeah, they're oh, they're playing local. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, we're kind of, we, we are spoiled over here. Like trying to get someone to come to Liverpool from Manchester, it's impossible. Why are you not playing Manchester? Because it's literally half hour down the road, mate. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. very weird. Very entitled for these music fans. <laughs> oh, why won't you give it away for free? Uh, <laughs> I'm not bitter, John. I'm not bitter. <laughs> well, you have it. How do you have put out a new EP? Yeah. I've just, or just about to, as we speak. Another one, actually. Yeah, it's really good. Got you a gift. Oh, wow. Excellent. Dan's new EP is really good. You should go and get it. Yeah, you should get it. It'll be out by the time this is out. I won't edit this bit out. This is a cassette, John. Wow. And that's the last EP. Oh, fab. But then when you turn it over, that's the new EP. Hey. Look at that. That is really clever. clever. That is that is genius. Although um, the last, the, the Death of Me EP is actually about four seconds shorter on the tape because right. it wouldn't quite it fit out. on. <laughs> <laughs> Old school problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had to, I cut a tiny bit out of the outro. Just to get it done. Yeah, I like get it, it done. See, the last one was the death of me. We're, we're all getting it done, and then promise of a new life. There's positivity. There's positivity. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's good. Excellent. Thank you. This is great. Okay. I would have got like, his item, and he signed it as well. I did sign it. Actually, I did sign it. <laughs> if anybody's listening and they want a signed cassette from Dan, <laughs> you can start bidding now. You can. You can. Or you can just contact Dan. Or you can wait till Friday, even though this is like now after Friday. So. You can go back in time and get one of them from my band camp. Yeah, go. clever. It's only 50. Wow. Amazing. 50. Well, there's actually more. There's actually 55. Yeah. But it's I got a lovely five color, to though. give away. I like the, is that a sticker? 
No, no, that's printed. Printed? That's printed. Wow. That's full body printing, How John. How did you get that done? Um, uh, a place... I'll, I'll let everyone know, yeah. actually. Yeah, do. Uh, down on... really cool. In Leon Solent, which is betwixt Southampton and Portsmouth. Right. Um, there's a place called Band CDs. You can find them at bandcds.co.uk. I'm not sponsored by them. Yeah. <laughs> but they do all the tapes. Right. They do full... Like on body, they do like little printing. Yeah, they but they do the duplication as well. Right and stuff. So I didn't have to sit there. Yeah, and do it yeah, anymore. that's good. That's excellent. But yeah, I just because I watch Pip sell loads of merch all the time, selling his ten million pairs of sunglasses. And I'm like, <laughs> I never make merch, so I can't yeah. be jealous. Yeah, so, you have to manufacture it. But then you yeah. could be. He could be lumbered with a whole load of inside out sweatshirts oh, come on, or whatever. Pip. If he ever gets lumbered, you'll find him on Basildon Market. <laughs> He'll just be outside like Pitsy train station. Well, I'll buy a T-shirt. <laughs> Only a fiver. He'd do it. He'd do it really well as well. Yeah. He could do well as a market trader. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. If any artist could, Pip, mm. definitely. I reckon Dizzy Rascal could do a good line of, like, fruit and veg. I feel like he'd... I think because Dizzy would have... Uh, a bit more cheek, and you'd get on with the mums. If it's the mums <laughs> doing the fruit and veg shopping, obviously dads can do fruit and veg shopping too. I don't want to yeah. say it's only mums. But there is a chance that it's going to be the mums. Yeah, I'd buy my fruit and veg off Dizzy Rascal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you deal with a lot of new music. I do. We digressed, but... Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep we've it gone in. to many places already. We'll keep it in. Um, you deal with a lot of new music, and obviously... There's a lot of, say, negativity towards Spotify. Oh, they don't pay enough. Oh, the algorithm. Mm. That algorithm, it is rubbish. I wish I could communicate with it a little better. Like, if you're listening to the Fugees, ready or not, and you you got you hit the little heart button, how does it know which bit of that song you like? Do you, is it the Wyclef bit? Is it the Lauren Hill bit? Mm. Is it the Enya sample? Which bit? You might like it all. That's fair. But if you only like the Enya sample, if that's the bit, it's never going to show you Enya, Enya, is it? Yeah, I don't know. Or Clan, how it works. Clan Ad. But was that, you, was have that you one ever, of those yeah, clans? <laughs> They're related, aren't they? Enya and Clan Ad. Are they? Yeah, they share family members. Uh, Do they? Yeah, Did not know that. Enya's the sister of people in Clan Ad. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't know. I'm not. You've got to know this stuff. I hope I'm right. I'm now. not down with the kids. <laughs> I'm not down with the but, kids. But uh, I don't know how Spotify that works, that aspect of it works. But you could ask them. In One fact, day, yeah, I know a bloke who works for Spotify, Another but only guy. kind of, I, only inadvertently. But this is it's, it's worth mentioning, and that it's quite funny. In that I met him because he used to work in a record shop, and I used to buy records off him. Okay. Um. He then he also was in a band, and he was in music writing. But these days he works for Spotify, and it's interesting how Wait, all those other still different jobs. No, he doesn't. Was he do a drummer? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of electronic band, so they. Oh. I'm not sure what his specific. So where I was going then was actually like with all that kind of negative negativity towards those things. How have you noticed any change in like new acts attitudes to the industry? Like I think me and yeah. it happened at a transitional mm. point where people were becoming more independent. But obviously you've been sat that side of the desk for longer. So you've seen that point where bands were perfectly they were hunting for major deals. Yeah. To this point now where people are sceptical of everything. Yeah. Um, how do you feel new bands are pushing um, Well, that? I think that in, in many ways it's, it's great because you, if you write a song, 
and um, it's pretty good. You've got many more ways of sharing it with people mm. and, and that pretty much you can get yourself on Spotify or on iTunes or Deezer um, mm. just with a bit of investigating about how that works. And, By $9 um, as no, well. So if you release it you know, yourself, you can do it all really quite practically and suddenly you're up there and you can be found. The problem, the problem is is for people to find you. Yeah, but what's in, I mean, the main change that affects me is more um, in terms of how people share their music. So I find a lot of people will tell me about their band and send me a Spotify link rather than an MP3 or a WAV or a mm. cassette or a CD. That and they'll think I'll just want to click on their Spotify link and check out their their band. Logically, is, that makes sense. It makes complete sense because that's all they use to play their music. Now, I don't trust streaming services for airplay. Mm. Um, so... Oh, I can imagine. I, I uh, um, you know, they need to send me something I can download in order to play it on the radio. Mm. Um, I'm it's still probably, relying on that. There's probably a it, law in there as well. There's probably at least maybe, something yeah. in the uh, end you and use a license agreement on yeah. Spotify that says Yeah, no, there, there probably is. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Why not? But but it's a, it's a good way of sharing your music around. You know? mm. And I like that uh, seemingly democratic aspect to it, mm. that you can get yourself out there in many ways that you just couldn't. It's weirdly, you say democratic. They're usually when you see a, a grumpier old artist complaining about Spotify, there will always be someone like, well, I democratised music for me, gave me this opportunity. Yeah. Because there were gatekeepers, especially, let's go two two decades ago, you couldn't get your CD on the shelf of a HMV. Yeah, yeah. Spotify is our our digital storefront at this point. Mm. Um, But but some of the, so like the old rules would have been, you know, to be racked in HMV, there were different strategies whereby, you know, a a distributing... Well, yeah, distribution you, company could have you could buy done a deal and buy some space for their you buy stuff your shelf to be, in the yeah, chart. Yeah. So there's all that, and I'm, I don't know how Spotify works in terms of you know what's on their front of page, uh, of you know the front page and what music gets highlighted I and all that kind of stuff. Actually, yeah, but you know there must be iTunes. Some connections. You could definitely buy your yeah. front page, and but also the record companies you know invested in Spotify mm. and other streaming sites. So so now it's all, also part of the bigger record industry. It's weird, actually, like, people forget how interlinked bands are, like, by labels and stuff. So, like, uh, if you go into HMV and see, like, a new album, a newish album, like, super cheap, like, three quid, it's like, oh, wow, wow, that's really cheap. And it's partly usually because, A, that album failed in some way, but, B, there's been a deal done elsewhere that's funding that, Massive reduction. Right, I see, yeah. I only know this because there was a point at which the space between the words was three pounds in HMV. It was October 2012, which happened to be when I was on tour, so I could keep stocked right. with the merch table. Yeah. Three quid a copy is a bargain. Um, so you bought the cheaper versions from other shops? If I bought it from the label, yeah. it cost me eight pounds. Yeah. But if I bought it from HMV, it cost me three pounds. But HMV had already paid the full price. Yeah, but there'd been a they'd done a deal to get something else, yada yada. So the the discount they got on say a le- I feel like Liam Gallagher or one of that sort of scale of people had a record. Yeah, yeah. 
So the deal they'd done on that actually funded making mine cheaper. Yeah. Someone from PS, you you email. Tell me (laughs) how that works. It's interesting that you had a practical approach and thought, well, this is cheaper than I can get it from the label, so I'll buy these. I stopped can. That's clever, very clever. I nearly did it again recently, actually, because I noticed our label was selling them cheap uh, on Big Cartel, on their Big Cartel store on, on the interwebs. So I put in a like 20. I thought, I'd get 20. That'd be fine. I'll, one day in the future, I'll be able to sell them. But the way they did their shipping, it added £3 per copy. Oh, wow. Not like right. account. Yeah. So yeah. it didn't work out. This bit might get edited. Yeah. This bit's less interesting. <laughs> but maybe we made it interesting. Um, Do you feel like bands, I don't know, thinking of uh, grumpy people, people on the internet, do you... Do bands who have had success have any responsibility to not make it worse for everyone else? <laughs> um, it, oh, it all depends. I mean, being grumpy on Twitter uh, is one thing mm. and putting obstacles in people's way in a, in a different way is, yeah, a, is another thing. Yeah, he's not so actively trying to stop yeah, yeah. people succeed. He's yeah, just, he's just mm. generally moaning, you know, and that's what a lot of people use Twitter for. Mm. And for, sometimes that can be amusing. Sometimes it can be really tiresome. Yeah. You know? yeah. But um, yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, people, in, anybody who gets successful as anything is at risk of um, getting caught up in their own position mm. um, without realizing it necessarily. And um, I know, and that's that's problematic. It's mm. it, for people coming through but also maybe for themselves because maybe they miss out on something that if they were less in their own bubble they might realize oh well if i you know i don't know they get out of touch mm. i mean that's the the risk isn't it yeah i de- i definitely feel that out of touch thing because obviously my career's changed dramatically like in scale particularly is far smaller than it was po- uh, with the Dan and Pip days but it means that I sort of have less time to engage with the music industry stuff, you know. And it is really amazing how quickly you can just lose touch of what the current, I don't know, marketing methods are or whatever. And um, <clears throat> I can see how someone who was more bitter could could take that um, detachment and, and get ready. The kids these days, they don't know. Yeah. But then oh. that would have been, you know, any and every, era, yeah. you know, can you imagine if, like, we had had Twitter in in the sixties? And can you imagine Iggy Pop on Twitter in the sixties? <laughs> Lou Reed, how boring would his Twitter have been? Like, he'd be. He, he's, I don't know. He might have been giving us amazing. No, one-liners. Come on, it's Lou Reed. I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't know why I'm picking yeah. on Lou Reed today. Poor Lou. I just I I think he could have been amazing on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, because he he had a wit and wisdom to. His la- use of language that yeah. was really great, and I just thought, you know, he'd have whittled it down to a few pithy comments that have been pretty funny. You know. I, I don't know. I feel like he would have got sucked into the complaining about daily life. He'd be stuck in, yeah, someone. But then in a you see, people in... can get, you know, they did that in ancient Greek times. You know, true, true. <laughs> so you know, that's what humans are like. Yeah, you know? I remember that Plato thing where he's moaning about people in the queue of Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Before his time in Plato's <laughs> Republic. Um, 
We've we've done good, John. Well, we've cut a lot of time. I don't I don't think we've solved the problems of the world yet, Dan. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, I mean, what um, I was hoping to. What problems do you want to fix? We've been recording for an hour on that computer. So, what do you want to fix, John? Um, what's, what's your what's the biggest problem in the world for you right now? <laughs> Oh, don't. I mean, I said I listen to the, to Radio 4 all the time and one of the downsides of that is that you hear news bulletins every half an hour. You, you hear news bulletins. Uh, and uh, they're just depressing, aren't they? They can be very depressing. My thing with Radio 4 is it, it's very disconnected radio. I, I know people listen to it all day, but it doesn't feel like radio that's been designed to be listened to all day. Yeah. So we can have like... Well, it, yeah. A kind of in-depth news show, then the news bulletins, then the archers, then, like, someone... Then you get, a, like, a consumer show about, like... Consumer terms, stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. consumer stuff, exactly. <laughs> but then you'll get, like, a uh, period, like, 80s period drama about the IRA. like, And it's like, oh, yeah. I'm very confused. And yeah. The problem with it for me, Radio 4, is if I'm on the motorway and I need to go to the services, I have to then sit in the car park at the services waiting for right. the yeah. drama. The dra- I don't want to miss yeah. the end yeah, of the story. Yeah, there might be some crucial bit. They did some stuff about um, George Orwell and his time in Burma and all mm. that. And I listened to those. But all of them, I only ever heard, heard like one part of each documentary. <laughs> so I was just like... Got these little snippets into yeah. his life. I, I, I hate to do this, but you could catch up with that on the internet. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. <laughs> I was actually realised something um, when I did a bit of research for this. So I listened to some podcasts with you on, but um, I listened to the one you did with Pip, episode fifty. Right. Of, yes. Uh, done in this room, actually. Done in this room. Yeah, yeah. We're in the room is a different shape. I can smell it. Yeah. I can still smell the beard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was done in this very room. But it made me realise neither of us listened to our first radio on the radio. Yeah. He listened to it on the telly. Right. With his mum. And I think his brother. And I had to listen to it on my girlfriend at the time. So this is the first play of Thou Shalt or, yeah. or the second yeah. play or whatever. I think yeah. it's the second yeah. play. because yeah. I didn't tell you that I was going to play you. I just yeah. played you. Um, very rude. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not very good at that. But then, like, that's, <clears throat> I, I personally, having been an artist, I'm glad that I'm more excited when I hear something has been played than when you get told, "Well, so and so's got the first play exclusive. It will yeah. be this." Yeah. Because it, it all feels a bit too negotiated and yeah, all that. And I get why a radio plugger or a label would try to secure something like that but I don't know it just feels more honest when it's like someone hears a song and goes eh, it's good enough I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, th- yeah there's definitely an element of surprise it's like oh wow no, it's a good let's do it oh it's good <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, well I mean radio it, I, I love radio I find it really exciting both being on the radio and listening to the radio um, but do you think you love it if you were Stuck on like BBC Sussex with a playlisted show, do you still feel like you'd love it? No, I pretty much know that I wouldn't. Yeah, but that would be a different thing. But um, but in terms of listening to the radio, I I listen to a lot of radio mm. and um, and I like the randomness of it. I mean, we were talking about Radio Four. I love the randomness of that. I mean, yeah, it can be quite irritating, but it's also 
quite exciting. But I also love the randomness of music radio whereby you hear something you've never heard before mm. and it, it, it blows you away and you kind of think, wow, to think that I tuned in at this moment to hear this song that is really incredible yeah. and really means a lot to me right now. But also there's so much kind of random fate. Mm. You know, I'm always amazed by how many people hear things on the radio that it's really random that they got to hear it. You know, mm. Like their own song, maybe, played on the radio. They weren't. They didn't tune in for a particular reason yeah, to hear you. their song, but by chance yeah. it just happened to turn on the radio and their song got played. I, I did it. I was driving back from my, my folks. Um, they live down in Margate now. And uh, I was driving back. I won't stay at their house. They're old people now. They're way, well into their 70s. It's got a must to the place. I can't sleep there. <laughs> no offence, mum and dad. Um, <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was listening. There was like whatever local, like Ramsgate radio was on. And there was a guy, like, it was just the local, it was almost like a BBC introducing type show. And a guy comes on, sings a couple of songs, da 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 And then... They do a little two minute interviews. Oh, so what are you influenced by? And then oh yeah, Dan Savage, Scrooge Pip. Oh, cool. Whacked us in with idols, and I was like, all right, wow. we we're better than I thought. Um, <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like oh, but that and that for me as well because that was only a few months ago. Yeah, and obviously I've been kind of out of that loop for a long while. So it was kind of uh, like oh, I remember this feeling. Yeah. As I promptly drove off the roads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that's that's great. I mean, you clearly meant... To, I was meant to hear, to hear that. that. Yeah. Yes. But it's only seen that way. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's kind of mad. It, it is. I, I still find it... I find it really interesting as, as a medium. Because I think we use radio as... As background, sometimes it's mm. that thing you just put on. My friend Jake has Radio Four on all day in his kitchen. He's rarely in his kitchen, but it's just on <laughs> all day. Um, and it's just this—it's company, but it's how that can be. It can be a hell of a lot more than that. It can be enthralling entertainment. Um, when in this era, you would think that the fully visual stuff. Is what we want, but no, it's still we still like depriving ourselves of certain senses. In in a sense, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think people think of it in that way. But yeah, but then this this explosion in listening um, mm. that has happened through podcasting, mm. I think, um, just reveals the the power of radio. And and we're only using radio as a term for um, things that are. Using sound. The thing about the podcasting thing for me with like a commercial station like this, I think it means that global or whoever's got the purse strings, it's easier for them. So, say I came to global to whoever's running Radio X these days and said, Look, I've got this really good idea for a show based around like the depth and breadth of video game music. You know, it's not something that's being covered yet. You've got artists like chips all selling tens of thousands of records um i don't know neve if you sell tens of thousands of records but i have seen your studio um i don't know if she's listened but she's been a guest i assume (laughs) all guests then listen listen every time um but like hugely successful music that isn't covered anywhere by the traditional music setup but obviously if you came and tried to do that 10 years ago 
It's like, well, we're not giving you two hours on a Sunday night to mm. do that. Yeah. But, oh, we can, you can do it as a podcast and we can see where it goes from there. It's a smaller investment. It's actually a good thing. I don't know. Oh, totally. But also, you can just do it anyway. I mean, that's the other good true, thing. True, true. You know? The only problem with it is getting, for podcasts and using music, getting the yeah. licenses. Getting yeah, that's, a, that's the big issue. But I think there are a few people out there that kind of do that. I think Mixcloud actually cover all that side yeah. of things and do it through advertising. Um, well, um, and there are licenses, but the problem is that everybody's a bit nervous of it. And mm. that's why there aren't many podcasts with music on. Because... They, I'm sure they, I worked it's out. It's yet to be really resolved. No. I think the PRS one, PRS license is about, I think it's 50 quid every three months. If in that three months you've got less than uh, 3,000 downloads. And that would be if you only had 10 songs in the podcast. Obviously, the amount of songs changes that. But, like, you think about it, it's like, oh, that'd be great for a start, and then you're suddenly successful, and it's like you've yeah. got a whopping bill and you're not generating. Yeah, it's really tricky, isn't it? You know. And that, that's the thing. I think there's still something of the older part of the music industry that is trying to protect revenue yeah. without realising that they could be generating more revenue if they were being more helpful. Yeah. Like Warner Music, um, I will Warner Chapel Publishing, I will call out all day because they are really aggressive with claiming music on YouTube videos without really looking at what they're claiming. So they'll they'll grab like half of a video's revenue for a five-second clip, even if the video itself is like an hour long. And really, they that revenue maybe isn't theirs. Maybe it was fair use in the first place. And, and maybe that having that there, because the majority of the time what the youtuber can do is just mute that section of the video it would be more beneficial you know things like i don't know if you noticed a few years ago toto africa mm. was everywhere yeah and that was because of twitch streamers all using it they all just a few people started doing silly things while playing that song and it boomed and they made loads of money but if if the publishers had come along and slapped it and grabbed their revenue that would have stopped a hell of a lot quicker yeah not that they stopped the snowball that is Toto's Africa. Yeah, yeah. It's not a good song, John. <laughs> it's not a good song. Yeah, well, I've come around to it. I've, I've you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I was around when it was first released and it seemed, seemed to represent the opposite of what I thought was exciting. And I wrote cool. something a few years ago about how, um, basically, how music from different eras have different, chord structures because of the technology so technology is always the newest technology is always in music yeah but in our popular music so as soon as synths came along pop music all got synths and it's always done this and like the sounds of the 80s are a particular type of synthesis because of that but those the limitations so the synths that toto wrote on could only play like i think six notes at a time so any chords could only be six notes. So they could not voice it any more complex than that. So that all the simplicity of it is not because they couldn't play harder, better, complex stuff. It was because it literally just couldn't make any more notes. And um, I wrote it, and it was really interesting to me. And, uh, 
Yeah, no, it was the most dry piece of thing <laughs> ever because it's just me going, and right, this synth, da da da. Weirdly, I found a YouTuber recently who that's all they do. They make these videos talking about different voice, yeah. different voicings and how that came about through technology. And I was like, that was way better than what I wrote. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. I mean, I mean, that is very much the case, isn't it? You know, it, it going back through time from the harpsichord mm. to whatever. You know, it's um, well, yeah. Which, I, the piano it, was a revolutionary instrument, wasn't it? Which was it? Mozart, the one who was like a child prodigy, mm-hmm. Beethoven. Bo- both, but Mozart, yeah. Definitely. Which was the piano you on Mozart? Mozart, yeah. So the the amount of notes on a piano, oh, him is his fault. I, I learned that on Radio Four, actually. Um, but yeah, like he kept writing pieces and feeling limited, and then he'd find piano makers like I want another octave. Yeah, I want twelve more notes, and they would have to work out how to do that because pianos early on didn't have the metal frame, so they just couldn't cope. They would break under all the pressure. So like all of the technology that went into pianos, which we don't think of a te- yeah. as technological, comes about through. Yeah. Composers pushing, yeah, pushing yeah, artists, for more, pushing for more. These needy artists. I think we've covered a lot, John. Okay, I hope um, people can get something out of it. I, I feel we, you know, we have covered a lot. We have, but I don't know whether we've got to the, the crux of everything, Dan. We never do, though. No, no, but maybe this is a starting point. Yes, and maybe someone listening right now on their way to work has been inspired, and they've turned <laughs> us off a few minutes ago because the thought. Was burbling, and that person is going to solve, I don't know, hydrogen fuel cells. Wow. Or fusion, nuclear yeah. fusion. We need to work that one out. Yeah. We've got fission down, but that's not good. But fusion, that's the future. That's how you make a sun, I think. I don't know. Physicists, <laughs> do you want to help me out? Or <laughs> let me know. You know, an awful lot of stuff, Dan. I was thinking about jazz fusion, you know, and... Uh, jazz fusion's yeah. good? Yeah, exactly. That's something I got from... What, listen to you on Stu's. You got to see Sun Ra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two days running. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Show yeah. Off. Yeah. Yeah. I know that was a bit show offy, but it was amazing. And it, you find that difficult though, don't you? That like you've you've been in this situation where you've got into music early, like preteen, really. Yeah. Kind of twelve. Yeah. I mean, not not like some people. I mean, some people seem to get into music age two and, and true. You know. But then but, you've kind of stumbled around and ended up going to a lot of rad gigs. Yeah. Again, from the Stu podcast I keep mentioning is off the beaten track. He like, challenges people. He, you have to do homework and think I did, yeah, about I, um, what I, you're going to do. I did it early, like episode five or something. And yeah, it was difficult. I think I can't even remember all my choices. I think my the song, first emotional song, it was either Atmosphere by Joy Division or Lorraine Ellison, Stay, Stay With Me Baby. Right, yeah. If you've watched The Boat That Rocked with uh, <laughs> About Radio Caroline. Yeah, wow. Um, which in America was just called Pirate Radio. <laughs> um, there's a scene in that where um, Irish comedian cries while listening to right. Lorraine Ellison. It's beautiful. Just piano singing. But it's so bad. She <laughs> wants him to stay. Yeah, well, we understand that sentiment. But yeah, Stu's good. Oh, he's I, great. I've known no, Stu I, for, yeah, yeah. for decades. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if you ever played any of Stu's music. I don't know whether I have, you know, because so, I know that he was in a band and that so, Ricky Gervais managed that band, didn't they? Or well, Ricky got 
Ricky was involved. Gary and Gary Crowley and got Gary Crowley to. I think that was serious problem. Yeah. So that was the comedy band. Right. So, um, so Stu Whiffin guys on on the network, off the beaten track, hardcore listening, Pod Bible, all three of those podcasts. I was in a band called Serious Problem. He was also like a promoter back home and stuff. But um, he was also in another band called Lilo. Next time you see him, if you remember, ask him about Lilo because they were like like good. Yeah. They were yeah. like good indie rock. They had good songs. The twins in the band were like weird looking twins, which was only beneficial, really. It, do you know, you know what I mean? When the twins aren't quite twins enough and they've both got <laughs> stupid faces. Right. But it was perfect indie yeah. band fodder. Yeah. You know how... Yeah, no, that's, they sound great. I'm you excited. only want one handsome person in, the, in an indie band. And you don't want it to be the twins. That would be confusing. But no, Lilo were really good. I've always wondered that, actually. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played Stu's music on the radio. I'm going to have... Yeah, it's I don't, yeah, I don't think Serious Problem would have worked because of all the swearings. Right. It is a... I think one of them... So, DJ Destruction obviously worked on, like, Adam F Records and all that. You probably met him at Pip's uh, DJ night thingy, We Are Lizards. Yeah, maybe. The scratchy DJ. Yeah, was yeah, there. yeah. That's Ross, DJ. So he he was doing that. They also had another DJ called Muff Diver. He didn't really do anything. But his, <laughs> his brother worked on, like, Missy Elliott or something. Wow. And one of them, one of their guitarists, I think his name was... I might be making this up now. Google it. Jeremy Cakes Bennett? Was that his name? Because it was Jeremy Castle. But there was one of the guitarists who was like a session for the Prodigy, if you remember those guys. You know, the guy with the hair. I've heard of them. They're quite good. They had some hits. <laughs> I think. So, yeah, they were like, they did, they all did stuff. Yeah. And then Stu promoted club nights. And then became a huge podcaster. Yeah, a decade yeah, well, later. this is it. No, 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 I think his 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 importance in the place of cultural history is for Essex. He's yeah, actually it's, it's there. Do you know what? Like, it's very strange. I think every town has a stew, or, or for a period of time at least, you have someone mm. who's there who is just I'm going to put on a night. I'm going to put on gigs. I'm going to do this. In in Reading, I don't actually know the guy's name, but there's a thing called Club Velocity been running like 18 years now. Yeah. And it's the only consistent local bands going on. You got Dave Moore running the Are You Listening festival, but Velocity is like week in week out gigs. But yeah, Stu was that. So people of my generation from Essex, if you say, "Oh, did you go to the Bullseye? Did you go to the Brush?" They know, and it stews a huge part of why those places yeah, totally. exist. Yeah, and I, it does make me wonder how the move to the online world, whether those guys get to exist, you know, or do they end up online with yeah. a YouTube channel or whatever, and not doing something? Obviously, on YouTube, you are doing something in the real yeah. world, but you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, but then sometimes the YouTubers. Um, uh, end up having to put on nights because the, they want to reflect their success or what yeah. they're doing online in another way. And, mm. and so these nights take off in that way too. It's something I find funny about like SoundCloud rappers, the amount of times you'll see them like announce a tour and then have to go, oh, we've got to cancel these 10 shows because we can't sell tickets. Yeah. Because it's just that like people aren't engaged with the 
fan in a fan way. They're like, I like this song, but maybe yeah. I don't even know who it's by at this yeah. point. But it's yeah. in my playlist yeah. and I've listened to it a thousand times. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, really interesting. Anyway. Yeah. Sort of, yeah we, I think... Um, there's a podcast there. That's all that matters. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Dan, thank you so much. Um, Obviously, John F. Kennedy is that guy. But do you know about John E. Kennedy? I don't know John E., no. John E. Kennedy is the best of the John Kennedys. Oh, no. Fence. Um, he he worked on The Muppets. He's, oh, wow. He's How a puppeteer. Cool. He's, wow. He did... He was He played the baby. He wow. did the, on Dinosaurs. He um, uh, did some stuff on Sesame Street. Uh, yeah, yeah, so... You're not I, I was unaware history. of John E. Kennedy. I'd, I've been made aware of various different John Kennedy. I already found about him on the tube. He's not actually that right. important. I was just, I was I just trying know, to find other John cool. Kennedys. Yeah, there are loads. There are far too many John Kennedys. Definitely. It's a popular name. Yeah, it is. Common as muck. Very. Let's, let's hang up. Bye, guys. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, did you enjoy that conversation? If so, smash that subscribe button and drop a scintillating five-star review. And don't forget, you can support this podcast directly by hopping over to patreon.com forward slash Dan Enjoy! Hey, there you go. That's episode 29 done. I haven't actually looked up if it is 29, so maybe there's now two episode 29s. Uh, John, I say this every time. I say guest name is a delight, but they are. I wouldn't ask them to come on if they weren't, you know. I'm not going to get an arsehole on. Not on purpose. Like, one day I'm going to walk into a room and the person's a dickhead, but, like, hasn't happened yet. We've been very fortunate. We've been very lucky with our guests. If you're new here, go listen to the older ones. There's some crackers. If you like the Radio X type people, there's uh, Danny Wallace, who is delightful, but also goes by Danny. Like, if your name was David, you shorten it to Dave. That's two syllables. 
down to one syllable. Why Daniel, with two syllables, down to Danny, two syllables? That's not shortening. That's incorrect usage of shortening. Uh, so, but other than that, he's uh, he's he's a nice dude. So go back and listen to that. Other radio people, we had um, uh, Matthew Everett of Matt Everett fame from the BBC. Other radio stations are available. Uh, he was great as well. So you've got those. And we had, had Stoya, the pornographer. Syriac, the animator. Uh, Chipsel, the musician. We've had all sorts. Um, so go do that. Everyone else, uh, I haven't recorded next week's yet. I'm hoping to do it on, on Friday? Thursday. Like in two days' time. Uh, but they've not confirmed. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I have nothing to tell you. Go listen to the new EP. It's very good. Go listen to John's radio show. It's very good. Go do things. I'm not stopping you. You can carry me around with you if you want. You know? I'm in your pocket all the time. Forever, guys. Forever. So tune in next time for more meandering nonsense. Enjoy. I have no clue if I got everything that needed to be said said then. Guess I'll find out in the edit.